Hello and welcome to episode four of Bossing It, the weekly podcast for women in business brought to you by entrepreneurs Frankie Cotton and Lara Sheldrake. Today we debate girl boss, talk about self-expression and feminist language. As you can imagine, it's a messy conversation to say the least, but one that is absolutely essential to progress and equality. We also share some of our must-reads and favourite podcast episodes from this week. We hope you enjoy. We've been having a really interesting debate over the last sort of six months, really, since we set up Found and Flourish. So Found and Flourish is a, well, what we describe as a kick-ass community of female founders and aspiring entrepreneurs, of which the Bossing It podcast that you're listening to right now mm-hmm. is a part, is one of our channels in which um, we communicate with the community. So yeah, the last six months, we've had some interesting debates over terminology that is used to describe women in business and the kinds of adjectives and the words that we use to refer basically to women in business. So what we wanted to do was bring this conversation into the podcast. We've got some interesting opinions on all sides, on all kinds of different terms. And we just thought, let's talk about it. Let's yep. get it out in the open. Yeah. And yeah, let's <laughs> See enjoy what a really messy conversation, <laughs> I guess. Exactly that. I mean, this all started, didn't it, when we were... Um, creating uh, some designs for the jumpers which will be uh, sort of launched on our shop later this year uh, we had a slogan amongst others uh, with the term gold boss didn't we yeah which is obviously a very famous hashtag uh, is it trademarked yeah the hashtag is trademarked yeah by Sophia, by Sophia Amoruso who is the, the author of the girl boss book and I think girl boss is now a bit of a growing empire online yeah exactly that so we really liked the term girl boss and that was one of the designs that we put out to our uh, sort of followers and community earlier this year oh no it was last year wasn't it mm-hmm. um probably about three or four months ago and since then there's been this ongoing kind of conversation debate around whether it has empowering sort of connotations, negative ones. There's been some real mixed opinions on this term in general, hasn't there? (laughs) Really, really divisive. But also, I feel that all of them have, they're all valid points that are being made. But it's just like how, you know, our experiences and the context in which we understand the language that we use is so interesting because people can have such extreme reactions the words that we use and it's like okay let's try and understand and unpick some of what's going on culturally and and let's talk about it because if we don't talk about it you know we're never going to get to a place of equality yeah so yeah i mean to be honest when we you know when we set up a community that was aimed at empowering women and working towards equality you kind of know that you're going to get shit from someone right yeah (laughs) it's it's always going to happen like there's going to be people that disagree and there's you know going to be lots of sort of politics around it and well I think if you're doing something divisive that you're often you're doing something right when it comes to trying to be progressive 
Exactly that. And there's nothing wrong with debate and hearing different sides to the story because um, having these types of conversations and, you know, getting people really thinking about um, equality, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a boss, how do we describe ourselves, how do we differentiate ourselves, you know, all of these types of conversations are really important. Because until we have equality and until we're paid the same and until, you know, we have 50-50 men and women on leadership boards, um, there's still a conversation to be had. And we are different for lots of great reasons, but also because we're not quite equal yet. So I'm really excited to, uh, yeah, get cracking. So do you want to kick us off with with some feedback? Yeah, let's do that first then. So... So the term girl boss is probably the one that we're focusing on the most here because for some reason this one keeps coming up with the the biggest variety of um, kind of reactions um, we've had. So Chloe, one of our followers on Instagram, she absolutely loves this term. She said it's one of my favourite terms. I think it's powerful and to me it just means being a woman who chases their dreams, makes shit happen and changes their life slash career to go against the norm and strive to do things for themselves. It's about girls supporting girls and building each other up. And I absolutely love that because I think there's definitely something to be said for the sisterhood and, Mm -hmm. you know, using these types of phrases where you feel that by um, associating yourself with it, you're, you're feeling empowered, you're being empowered and therefore you're empowering other people by using that term when referring to other women. Um, But in the same kind of stream of comments, really interestingly, um, someone else said, hate it, hate it so much. (laughs) Obviously, this is my own view, but I feel it's a bit of a joke term now. I'm a female business owner and not a girl. And do you hear men calling themselves boy boss? Nope. So it's hard. It's a hard no from me. Now, I also love what she's saying here because you don't hear men calling themselves boy bosses. Uh, That's just not something that, you know, men would probably ever aspire to to refer to themselves as. And that's a really interesting argument, isn't it? Yeah, I think in some ways it's it's maybe more... The term girl boss can maybe... is maybe more ageist than it is gender-based like I think maybe people take offense well I mean certainly everyone's gonna have kind of different experience with the term but girl can actually sometimes just mean young so it's like yeah the term for young woman and I think maybe a lot of people who are experienced in business you know and quite mature in what they're doing maybe they have a lot of responsibility they don't want to necessarily be seen as young or brand themselves as young and maybe kind of you know the the connotations that has with being Mm. inexperienced or maybe not quite up to the job not ready to take on that job so I think sometimes when we're talking about the word girl it's more that it's in the same way you know things like girl band and boy band (laughs) there is such thing as boy band you know girl band okay this is like a whole different industry but I think you know when boy bands kind of grow up you know past their teenage years and maybe the same with girl bands is that actually they want to shake off girl and boy terminology because actually they want to be you know more mature artists in their own right yeah and, they, and they've earned that and they've got the experience under their belt to to have that and so I for me do you think there's a time and place though then do you think maybe 100%. for younger women 100%. girls progressing into women exactly I think I think you're totally right and 
and actually, you know, what we can't forget here is if we're trying to empower and inspire women, that's not just women who, you know, maybe a bit more mature and they're maybe looking to to become an entrepreneur having mm. left you know a, maybe a, a career in corporate or something like that actually mm. what we're also trying to do is have conversations with teenage girls and 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 you know young women in their 20s and saying actually there is a path here entrepreneurship which maybe you know there are less women in it right now and maybe it's more difficult for women to to be founders etc but actually girl boss maybe would resonate with them and we can't just dismiss it as well I find it insulting because actually if it if it just speaks to and resonates with a young girl (laughs) or a young woman who maybe otherwise wouldn't get involved in this kind of conversation around business Mm. and an opportunity Mm. that could be life-changing for that one individual and I don't think we can dismiss that because language is actually a way for us to communicate and if it's getting an inroad into somebody and opening doors which maybe they hadn't seen as open before yeah you can't deny that that's a good thing like even if we might all think it's you know outdated and we've all moved on since 2014 when Sophia Amoruso wrote her book Girl Boss which by the way I bought when I was yeah. young in my 20 20- well say young you know it was only like four years ago five years ago but I was in New York I bought it I devoured it and I'm and how did it make you feel at the time it was perfect Mm. I read it and I can guarantee it planted seeds that that now have certainly grown because you read that book you bought it when you were still working for a company right this was before you set up on your own oh my god yeah this was years ago and when you say planted the seed it kind of maybe sort of made you feel in a way empowered empowered capable to set up your own business inspired my my experience of business to that point was a mostly male dominated political kind of corporate space and Mm. by reading this book I was like wow I can be feminine and I can you know be a leader and I can actually embrace some of who I am and all of these positive messages that Sophie puts forward in the book and I'm not saying that where I am now in my career that I would call myself a girl boss or that I would necessarily pick up the book but at that point I did and that's what's led me here now yeah that's so so interesting you know pro you also you can't deny progress like I progress is not linear so you can't say right or wrong we all just have to Mm. take steps and and try to go in the right direction I agree I agree. And I think that's a really interesting point you make about, you know, progress, because obviously we've progressed and now we're at a stage where neither of us would refer to ourselves as a girl boss, but we still believe it has a place, don't Mm -hmm. we? We still believe it has some kind of purpose. And for the right person, it's perfect. Actually, someone else commented on um, Girl Boss, Catherine. Uh, she said, whatever its original intention, it's become a stereotype and one I'm acutely aware of as a 30-year-old female small business owner. If I'm being mindless, I dial up my seriousness and masculine energy to overcompensate if I think anyone is lumping me in category of playing at business as a girl boss, inverted commas, which is the opposite of what I want to do. I want to work like a woman, Girl boss is saccharine, sugar-coated, candy floss, unicorns. Great if you're an actual seven-year-old girl pretending to be a boss in charge of a stuffed flamingo in the middle, in middle management and a row of teddy bears answering customer service emails. It's taken me a while to arrive at it, but at 30, 
can I not be a woman yet? Anyway, no strong opinions for a long while. I've had it in the back of my mind to write about it. So please let me know if you're still looking for contributors. Um, I found that quite interesting. And I guess that supports what we're saying about, you know, as a 30-year-old serious businesswoman, you don't want to refer to yourself as a girl boss and that's fine. But it definitely has a place at some point for women who are on a certain journey and maybe at the beginning of that journey, mm. that, that sort of beginning part of their entrepreneurial journey where they're still trying to figure out whether they can do it, what they want to do, how they're going to do it. Can I do this as a woman? Of course you can do it as a woman. And I think, you know, terms like this are actually, you know, I think part of this movement and a way of changing the narrative around women's capability at the beginning of their journey. Mm -hmm. And it comes back to the campaign, always campaign, like a girl. So much power and meaning behind it. But this idea that as you grow from a girl to a woman through that stage of puberty, when you've got so many doubts and conflicting thoughts and ideas and emotions, society has this way of weakening the concept of being a girl and actually taking away this empowerment that you should feel for being a girl growing into this, you know, uh, able-bodied, intelligent, uh, um, what am I trying to say? I totally get what you're trying to say. Yeah, 100% because it's like you're a girl before you're a woman. Yeah. Because girl is essentially describing a young woman and it's what you are, you know, as a child and and kind of before you go through puberty. And I understand that on an individual level, once we've matured into a woman, we can easily reject that term girl Mm. because it may be, we think, oh, I'm not a girl, I'm a woman. You know, I've gone through maturity and I'm here and I'm serious. But we've also got to think about the next, generation and the young people that that actually that term can resonate with Mm. who are girls they are girls yes and also being a girl shouldn't have all of this negative connotation you know why why do we look at the term girl so negatively Mm. that's that's society that's cultural that's the context that we're placing on that word within language it's not inherent in the description of what a girl is yeah yeah it's so true so it's really about changing then the the conversation, the meaning, the connotation around that term, which can only happen by creating these campaigns like like a girl, having these types of debates and discussions, actually trying to unpick why the term is described as demeaning, derogatory, um, offensive, you know, all these types of things that perhaps take away the... Um, perhaps take away some of the seriousness and the attempt that so many women are, are trying to sort of normalize the idea of being a successful woman. Why do you have to, you know, why do you have to describe yourself as a girl boss? And why, why are some people, you know, seeing it as a negative way to describe them or their determination or, you know, their ability in business? And I think there's a whole, whole sort of range of debates and arguments around this meaning. Yeah. So Jess, said she made an interesting argument which is there is an argument that female founders are women doing the same thing as their counterparts and a boss is a boss and she says no i'm a girl boss 
Equality is the goal, but equality isn't where we are yet. And these special terms are often used as a nod to encourage the progress we're making and celebrate how far we've come. They're there to encourage a community of women to continue to move in the right direction with the support of each other. So such a strong community of male camaraderie is completely embedded into society. Because people are so used to being surrounded by that, they're comfortable with it. Call a man a badass and no one bats an eyelid. It's expected. It's comfortable. But people often think that women are causing a scene about being women, about being a badass, about being a girl boss. They find it uncomfortable and even some women. Hmm. But there's a good reason we need to continue to make a scene. We're not paid equally yet. There aren't the same opportunities yet. And all of society, men and women included, are figuring out how the reality of powerful women in business can become comfortable and genuinely accepted in our society. And then she finishes by saying, I'm sure if you said to a child, draw me a picture of a boss, they would probably draw a man. So until this changes, I will continue to refer to myself and my Hmm. badass females as girl bosses. She has so many fantastic points there, doesn't she? I think what's really interesting is is this idea of on an individual level mm. we those of us who are privileged experience equality. Yeah. So, you know, maybe with our partners and maybe in the businesses that we've worked, we might actually look around and think equality is here. It yeah. exists. So why is everyone having to say, I'm a girl boss, when you're just a boss? Or why are you having to refer to yourself as a female founder when you're just a founder? Mm. But actually, the facts don't lie. And the data shows that actually equality isn't there. There's still a huge gender pay gap. You know, you've got a a whole load of stats that I know you're happy to share. But until the data proves that there is equality, we cannot ignore gender we have to talk about it yeah totally we are not equal until we're paid equally and until there's an equal number of women as there are men on leadership boards um just just picking out one of the many like stats that we have from 2007 to 2017 women's board representation in FTSE 100 companies increased from 11 percent to 28 which is great but we haven't even hit that 30 percent mark mm. Like those statistics alone show just how much of a conversation needs to be had around women still not having, you know, an equal level playing field because they they won't. The the simple sort of matter of fact is that there are more men running companies, making decisions in parliament. Being funded. Being funded, yeah, being funded. And that means that... We are not uh, celebrating femininity or using our differences to benefit our uh, economy, society, our culture, our country in, in the way that we should and we can. So these terms are used to, I guess, highlight that, highlight the movement, highlight the empowerment that we still need to uh kind of encourage until until we are equal i I feel like i'm raising my voice and my heart's racing and i'm getting like really (laughs) about this but um you know i think it's a really interesting debate and and it is so like multifaceted because i'm not saying there's a right or wrong and i i love the fact that we've got so many different comments about the term and what it means to them and i think it really does depend on the individual 
my friend, for example, Helen, she, she had an amazing um, point. So she said women and girls had been suppressed for so long that being named one still signifies something weaker and not as good, even within ourselves. This is obviously catastrophically false and a big issue in itself. Thankfully, things are moving more and more in the right direction, but there is still a long way to go. Um, she talks about the fact that you might argue that we should empower the language of girl, which is exactly what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So we are no longer limited by that term. That is valid and I'm sure one day will be fully achieved. But I think especially in cases where it is unnecessary to mention whether someone is a girl or not, we should leave it out. And again, she's got a good point. But it's really funny because I was thinking about this the other day and I I wanted to post something about going to a mother's meeting event, um, which is a fantastic um, kind of community built by uh, a woman called uh, Jenny who runs mother's meetings. And I went to one the other day where there were loads of mums, mumpreneurs, female founders, um, just really inspiring women. And And I actually wrote amazing to meet so many wonderful mums and female founders. And I stopped myself in my tracks and I thought, well... Because we've had this debate and because there's also been this argument around, well, why say female founder? Why not just say founder? It made me think, well, then if I'm just going to say founders, why don't I just say parents? Why should I differentiate mums from parents? And it's the idea that I want to actually stress that these are women I've met female founders who have been really inspiring. They run businesses, they look after their family, they, you know, um, support their you know, they they support their family, they are um, bringing up children, they're running a business, there's something to be celebrated in the fact that they are female, and they're Mm. doing all these incredible things. And I do understand, and I agree with Helen, you know, there, there is a time and a place, sometimes it's not necessary to say it, but then in other times, you want to actually say, this is a this is a woman running a business and doing x y and z and you know what we we are different to men not just because we're not treated equally yet but also because we 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 are known to have more empathy mm-hmm. sometimes we can be more creative there are so many different values that we can bring to um the table yeah. compared to men just like men have some incredible things that they can bring to the table that women just just it's down to biology as well and the way your brain works absolutely and i think that's a lot of what helena morrissey covers in her book um a good time to be a girl which is when she talks about actually the power of diversity and you know even if we're even if we take all of the sort of humanity out of this discussion and we talk purely based on returns when you're looking at kind of commercial investments or how businesses perform companies with diverse boards and that doesn't just include men and women but also um you know people from different socioeconomic backgrounds different races Mm. the more diverse teams and leadership teams and boards are the better these companies perform yeah and that is because actually that board that leadership team is representing a much greater proportion of society exactly yeah and we can't we have to acknowledge that and if we're just when we're talking here about gender terms if we just normalize gender by making it invisible Mm. that is not doing women a service by saying that women do the same as men when they run a business is i mean yes in terms of okay some of the actions are the same you know there is you know steps that will be taken there's there's a there's a process to creating a business and and creating a commercial model all of that stuff yes on one level very basic we're doing the same thing but actually when you think of emotionally culturally what's ingrained in society actually some of the hurdles that we have to overcome 
it's not the same. Mm. And you're doing women a disservice by saying it is the same because actually then you're just ignoring all of this blatant inequality that you see, particularly acutely at an investment level, which we mentioned earlier. I mean, the stats from 2018 have only just come out and I was reading them yesterday. All female founders put together received $10 billion less in funding than one e-cigarette company, Juul. That's just... I mean, this this is the US statistics, but, Mm. you know, and just to continue that, US female founders raised $2.8 billion last year, which is 2.2% of the $130 billion total in venture capital money invested last year. I mean, if that, that, is if not, that doesn't highlight inequality, I don't know what does. It's just... Yeah, it's, it's just... Crazy, isn't it? Insane that yeah. in 2019, that is a state of affairs at an investment mm. level. And you cannot just say, we need to be invisible about gender. Everyone just get on with it. I'm sorry, you can't. You have to look at this and say, why? What can we do? What are the challenges? How do we overcome them? Yeah. You know, when it's not about saying who's at fault. Mm. It's not like women are saying, it's, me- it's all you men's fault. Yeah. That's not no. what we're saying. No, of course not. It's not, it's not a blame <clears throat> game. It's like, okay, actually, how can we positively, all of us as a society, mm. come together to overcome yeah. the challenges that are quite obviously there? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I guess uh, an argument could be, you know, I've had quite a few people, um, especially female leaders, um, fairly high up at an executive level within businesses saying, you know, I've worked really hard to be at this level and to essentially normalise the position I'm in as a woman. So by highlighting that I'm a female in perhaps a, a male dominant area highlights that it's something that's special when it should just be the norm, which is obviously a really interesting point. But I guess what we're saying is it should be normalised, but it isn't. it's not. It isn't yet. And that doesn't undermine all the women out there who are, you know, C-level or running their own businesses, um, kicking ass at what they do. Mm. It's just saying there needs to be more of you and there needs to be an easier path to get to where you are at. And I think this movement and these campaigns and the conversation around this is just highlighting that there's still a long way to go, but we're getting there. But we need to actually continue the conversation for those who are still struggling. They're either not getting paid as much as their male counterparts, they're not getting the investment, they're not uh, they're not perhaps supported in the way that they need to be supported, they don't have flexible working, so they're predominantly at home looking after their children when actually they just need a bit of respite or some headspace to think, how can I make my business flourish, for example? You know, there's so many dimensions to the issues we have around why there's still an inequality but by talking about it and by having debates like this which is amazing which literally just came from talking about a slogan on a jumper like this this is what it's about this is Mm. this is what it's about highlighting the problems um respecting everyone's opinions but actually keeping the conversation going for those that still aren't treated equally what you've just said is amazing and I have to say, like, what I find so interesting about this debate is that it's not just... I, d- I don't even think that all of us um, are sure where we stand. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, I know that I've oscillated between different opinions at different stages yeah. of my career. So and I. I go back and forth, right? Yeah. So I know that when I was working corporate and I was 
um, you know, working my way up and in a very male dominated environment and I, you know, whatever, reasonably successful, is I wanted to normalize that. I would walk into a room and I'd be like, my, I want my gender to be invisible because yeah. I just didn't want to draw attention to it. It was almost like I'd, I'd kind of like secretly managed to like squirrel my way up into this place where I just was like, don't talk about it. I know, <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean though? It's like, yeah. let's not talk about it. That's not what we're here for. This is business. But then actually kind of as I've, as I've come out of that environment, I'm like, hang on a minute though. Like when you see the data and that you see that I can't deny that I was in a privileged position to get to where I got to, you know, I was lucky that I had um, a university education before that. I was lucky that, um, you know, I passed my 11 plus, I got into a grammar school, like all of these things that, that is my luck Mm. and not everybody has that opportunity so for me okay I wanted to normalize it for my experience as an individual maybe selfishly because I wanted to continue to progress I didn't want to make a big deal out the fact that I was a woman because I just wanted to you know kick ass in my career and you know make money and do well but when you look beyond that you look at the future generations you look at actually you know, how women are treated generally in society. You look at yeah. religions that actually oppress women who maybe have never even considered the fact that they could even have a career, let alone mm. start a business. Yeah. And you look at this data and you look at the stats, it's like, hang on, you have to, we have to talk about gender here. Yeah. Because this is bigger than me. Mm. This is greater than than us as individuals. Yeah. You know, yes, some of our experiences might be equal on a day-to-day basis, but for a fuck ton of women, it is not. Yeah. It's not equal. Yeah, Deborah Francis White in her book, um, The Guilty Feminist, makes a very similar point about the fact that as as Western, especially white women as well, we are in a privileged position where we haven't had things handed to us on a plate, but we've been in a position where certain opportunities come to us much easier than others. And it's almost like we are in this position where we owe it to everyone else who is not from a privileged background or, you know, from the right part of the world to fight for equality across the globe. Because until women can, you know, drive in certain countries and can speak in others and can feel comfortable to go for investment and have a higher chance of actually winning that investment. You know, for whatever background and for whatever reason you want equality, until we have that, we owe it to everyone else as well. We owe it to every single person who is yet to experience it. So yeah, okay, we might be sitting in a privileged position where, oh, everyone's equal around us. But that's not the case. And and these statistics just highlight the tip of the iceberg. Totally. And, you know, equality as an individual and success as an individual is not fucking good enough. Like, that is an exception. That mm. doesn't mean that that is how everyone experiences it. And we, as you say, if you are in a privileged position that you have enough support around you that's made you feel like it's possible to be a leader in business as a woman you can damn right pass that on to other people and we should talk about gender until it is until we are until we have equal opportunity we owe it we owe it to sisterhood totally i'm with with you there sister 
Um, okay, I'll just, so I'll just get off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think it's really interesting. We've had so many fantastic comments and quotes, and I don't think we're going to have time to go through them all. But I, I do think there's you know a, a continuous conversation to be had, and I love the fact that there are so many like varying opinions from various women at different stages of their career. Um, whether they're just setting up, they're freelance, they've been running a business for years, perhaps they're you know actually employed by a bigger business and, and they aspire to be um, self-employed. So it's it, I as a co-founder of this business, and I know we both kind of feel that the beauty of being able to express ourselves and to create this wonderful community of women where we can empower one another, is about embracing difference. And we, we, I know we've talked about this before and you've written some amazing blogs on the idea of embracing difference and how that is so important for creativity, nurturing business, um, expression. And we will always welcome these kind of different opinions and experiences because that is what makes such a, a vibrant um, community, a school of thought, and also what, what creates such interesting debates like the one we're having today. Um, did you have any other sort of responses or quotes you wanted to reference? Yes. So there's a quote here from Georgia who says, the reason we use empowering and motivational names for any group that wants to make an impact and change is to create movement and drum up energy and motivation within these words offer empowerment and encouragement. We need as much of it as we can get. And she actually goes on as well to say that Brexit is detrimental to the female founder industry. Most women create businesses out of necessity rather than opportunity, don't forget. Um, and raising capital is much harder for women. The EU market is in reach. A global market is not. We need all the fucking kick-ass, badass help we can get. And Love what, that. She's so right. And, you know, these... Adjectives like kick-ass as well are ones that are quite, um, have also been divisive. Why do you need to describe women as being kick-ass when you wouldn't necessarily describe men as being kick-ass? But I think Georgia sums it up really well there when she says it's about movement, it's about drumming up energy. And, you know, a word like kick-ass just makes you think like, yeah, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to fight for something. You know, totally. I'm gonna, it's, it is that sense of movement. And, and for as an example, um, I was on a panel at General Assembly for an event called Kick-Ass Women in Startups. Yeah, loved it. Which was a full house, oversubscribed mm. event, full of young, ambitious women who wanted to listen from, you know, other women who may be already in the startup world, leading companies, etc. And the marketing manager there, Chip, she's amazing. She And she was making a specific effort to name these events in a certain way to drum up the attendance, which obviously worked. Mm. And some people might dislike terms like kick-ass or badass, but ultimately, if these emotive adjectives attract community, which ultimately exists to empower a minority and work towards equal opportunity, then what does it matter? Like, how much yeah. does language really matter when what, when what comes after that is action? And these motivational words inspire action, which is ultimately what's going to change the world. Yeah, I couldn't have put it better myself. I, I, I'm, I'm completely with you there. I think if a term or a phrase has an impact on positive change in empowering a gender that is not yet 
equal. I think that is incredible. Even if you have a backlash of people who say, actually, that's not for me for X, Y, and Z reason. That's fine. Because at the end of the day, that's absolutely fine. And if you have that opinion, it's probably because you're already in a position where you feel you don't need that to spur you on or to empower you. Exactly. But the amount of yeah. people, impressionable young women, girls maybe, who find things like kick-ass and girl boss and badass and female founder as terms to aspire to, then that's then that's amazing. And we can't fault that. You're, you're so right because ultimately it's, it's communication is about that relationship between people and a way of sharing ideas in a way that resonates and... You know, yes, some people may have a reaction that maybe is negative to certain words. And like you say, it's not for you then. That's fine. But I'm not trying to attract you. If you're Mm. already empowered, if you already feel like you're equal, then this community, you don't need it. Like you're already well on your way. Like go out there, live your life, enjoy it, embrace it, have fun. You know, you've got it sussed. That's great. Amazing. But actually what it is, is it's like, okay, but these terms, we can use them to communicate with, to resonate with maybe young women, with girls who maybe don't feel confident yet, don't feel empowered yet, don't feel like they've got it all sussed. Yeah. And they're the people that really need the support. And that's fine too. But if we censor our language, we're at risk of not connecting with the people who may need our message the most. That's what I think. (laughs) (laughs) Totally with you there. But with all that said and done, I saw someone say um, on Twitter the other day, sheepreneur, and that's just fucking weird. That is fucking weird. (laughs) What does that even mean? Sheepreneur. No, that is weird. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we draw the line at sheepreneur. (laughs) Too far. But girl boss, give it to me. (laughs) Well, Um, do you know what, though? I think sometimes we just shouldn't take ourselves too seriously. And let's just all use some fun adjectives in branding. You know, I know when I broke out of corporate, being an entrepreneur is fucking tough. And you have to look to yourself and kind of be authentic if you're actually going to survive the journey of creating anything and giving your life to it. So actually, you want a bit of respite from like a what can be quite a stifling environment. Like, mm. just have, let's just play around. Let's have a bit of fun. Progress, you know, progress is all about small steps in the right direction. And you know, there's no right or wrong answer here. Everyone's interpretation is different. There's context in every conversation. Yeah. You know, depending on who's talking to who, what yeah. their power play is, their background, their background, what, what they're currently doing. Exactly. Yeah, the exactly. intention. Yeah. I think it's always about the intention. Context. That use. Yes. Yeah. You know, there's so much. There is literally no right or wrong answer. Um, we've just got to keep talking about it because that's what's gonna make, make a difference. Change. Yeah. Make change. I mean, you know, last week when we were talking about um, AI. Yeah. I mean, how the fuck is artificial intelligence going to decode these kinds of conversations? Yeah. <laughs> that is so true. I don't think they ever could. I mean, if we can't even, no. you know, say this is right, this is wrong, this is black and white. I mean, God knows how some bloody machine's going to. I know. How are they going to understand it? I, don't, I can't even make peace with one argument or the other in my own mind. <laughs> I keep disagreeing with myself. Anyway. Out of interest, um, how would you describe yourself if you were to use an empowering term from all the ones we've kind of mentioned today? I would describe myself as a female founder, but probably also a kick-ass female founder. Nice. To be honest. Yeah. Because female founder, yeah, I just feel like I need a bit of energy in there. 
How about like you? That. Well, I wouldn't describe myself as an entrepreneur. I know that's obviously a part of who we are because we take financial risks in setting up businesses and you know that that's part of where that meaning comes from. But um I do I do like the term mumpreneur. Um I think there's something nice about actually acknowledging that I'm doing this as a mother as well. So mm. it's I'm not just and I love the term female founder and I think I'm with you like kick ass female founder. Um but I also like kind of yeah but I also like associating myself with being a mum as well because I think that's a huge part of who I am, what I do and how I therefore run a business or, you know, or the way I apply my thought and intention to everything I do because mm-hmm. it comes from not a maternal place but I think being a mum definitely changes sort of the way you think about things and the way you uh, sort of what your priorities in life. And that can only be a wonderful thing for all of the future employees that you'll have in the yeah. businesses that you run. I hope so, yeah. That's definitely. a whole dimension that you're going to bring. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Cool. So, on that note... <laughs> now we've got that out of our system. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about what we've been listening to and reading this week. Um, I'll start things off. So, I was listening, I mean, kind of following the theme of the topic we've been discussing today, I listened to a fantastic episode of Feminist Don't Wear Pink podcast, broadcasted by Scarlett Curtis with guest Jamila Jamil. Love her. Oh my God, massive girl crush on her. So she talks about the Iway movement, which is something that, uh, for those of you who don't know, Jamila Jamil was actually a T4 presenter. That's uh, where I remember yeah, her from. Oh back in God, the day, back in the 90s. Day, exactly. Um, and she then went from yeah presenting this TV um, like music show to becoming I guess a Hollywood actor in the space of I don't know a couple of years. So she's out there at the moment, and she comes on an episode with Scarlett to talk about what feminine means feminism means to her. So for those of you who don't know, there's a book out called Feminists Don't Wear Pink, which is uh, curated by Scarlett Curtis, and she has included 52 different passages from women who have been invited to talk about what feminism means to them. So Jamila Jamil comes on the episode and she's talking about a range of things, and I absolutely love her. Like, everything about her, from the language she uses to uh, her mission in life to her general kind of just ethos. She is an incredible and inspiring woman, and I would highly recommend this episode. She talks about a range of things, but she actually created the I Way movement, which is something that actually happened by accident, where Jamila saw a feature of the Kardashians on a a really popular Instagram account, followed a huge teenage girl following, which included the weight of each member of the family. It's ridiculous. And the the followers were encouraged to then put their weight. And what happened was that loads of people were going, oh no, I'm, I'm so much like shorter than her, but I weigh more. And it was creating such an awful, like negative conversation and it was the opposite of empowering. It was it was horrendous. And she talks about how she was completely disgusted by these women who are in a position of power uh, and a position of, I guess, uh, they have a responsibility, right? Because they inspire women and young women and girls all over the world. And they're there saying, 
it's not about what I've done or what I think or what's in my head or what I say. It's actually about what I weigh. So she she said that she, in uh, kind of protest to seeing this picture, decided to put a picture up of herself. And instead of putting her weight, she put all the things that she basically, um, you know, words that she felt best described her from her successes to her feelings to her thoughts to her friends all this type of thing and she hashtagged iway and over the space of maybe a couple of weeks it became this incredible movement where people all around the world were posting pictures of themselves and describing the you know them as a mother or a boyfriend or you know someone coming out as gay and saying this is me and I'm proud of it and hashtagging the the iway um term and before she knew it, hundreds of thousands of people were were expressing themselves in, in ways where they felt a sense of freedom. And I thought there was something really powerful about this message. I think it's a conversation that obviously still needs to happen. And Jamila makes a really good point that it's 2018 and we're still we're still trying to change the conversation and move it away from appearance and weight and makeup and hair and how you look to actually something of a bit more substance. They go on to talk about how um, while women are worried about what they look or how they come across, men are actually worrying about taking up more space, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) taking up as much space as possible in society, how they're going to earn more, how they're going to progress more in their career. I know this is a sweeping generalisation, but she talks about uh, us as a sort of an oppressed gender, uh, how we're still uh, exposed to all these really negative kind of headlines and uh, articles by the press and media basically saying, look better, lose weight, sound better, you know, buy this and, and you know, get a boyfriend. And I think there's something really, it's a really important conversation still that we need to have. And she finishes off basically talking about how men have a huge part to play in feminism. She talks about how we actually need to encourage men to talk about it, to understand the connotations around it, and also the importance of accepting that actually right now there still isn't equality. So bringing the men into the conversation and allowing them to actually have an impact on this movement, which I think is a really really important point to make. Mm. I think there are so many interesting things in what you've just said. I've not listened to this podcast, but I want to, um, based on that description. I think, do you know what? Talking about how much women weigh, what they look like, you know, bikini bodies, all this stuff makes me so fucking, fucking angry. <laughs> because if people, all it does, right, is it moves your energy and your attention from things that are important and things that matter Mm. to focus on this and distract yourself while everybody else gets over here, making money, making change, creating businesses. I'm sorry, if you want to create a business, create a movement, you know, do something that's really going to change the world. You can't do it if you're fucking hungry. You can't. <laughs> that's so you true. Can't. I mean, God, I laugh, but this this is a whole other topic that I think yeah. we could literally do a whole episode on because yeah, I agree. There are so many layers and so many facets to this, but I mean, just her talking about that is a great step in the right direction because we do not need to distract young women with the idea of focusing on what they weigh instead of focusing on important things like you know, activism, creating businesses, 
you know, social issues, politics, all of these things that they could put their energy into instead. Yeah. I'm totally going to listen to that. I completely agree. And yeah, I I think that there's definitely an episode in that. Um, So yeah, have a listen to that one. Uh, The other one is The High Low, um, co-hosted by Pandora Sykes and Dolly Alderson. This is a really interesting episode, actually, because they talk about... um, The title is, Is Hey Guys anti-feminist um i'm not going to go into detail with this episode um but i do think it's it's worth a listen it's funny because they talk about how um they refer to one another as guys uh, and they feel actually it's just uh it's the context in which it's it's received right so you 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 refer to your friends as oh hey guys um yeah i do that yeah well see for me and it's weird i if you're like if you're addressing a group of people and then mixed gender, I, I'd say, hey guys, for some reason for me, if I'm speaking to girls, and I don't know, maybe this is because I'm one of four girls, or I don't know what it is, but I would rather say, <laughs> I'd rather say, hey ladies, <laughs> which to me, I think just addresses the fact that they're women, and I want to, I want to kind of celebrate that they're women, so I, I'll say, hey ladies, whereas they talk about it in this episode as being like quite kind of Hindu, hey ladies, middle management like, you know, and I'm just thinking, oh God, I cringe listening to it because I thought, God, is this just the way, like to me, it seems so normal and seems so inclusive and, and, and natural for me to refer to my girlfriends as ladies. But actually, you made a really interesting point, didn't you? Because you, you said that's your mum. Yeah. And <laughs> and she said that lady can be a bit classist. Oh. Which I'd never even thought of because, <laughs> of course, ladies, I never put the term ladies in a class kind of category, but that's exactly what it is. And it's funny, isn't it? Because language to you seems so obvious and natural and normal because it's the language that you use. But to someone else who actually associates that with another meaning, it can be so cringe. And I thought it was really interesting because for the first time I listened to their podcast and I disagreed with something that they were saying and I thought, that's really funny, that's really interesting. And actually it's not that they're right and I'm wrong or I'm, you know, or the other way around. It's just that that's the conversation or the language that that person uses and mm-hmm. it's different. Like, for example, you say to your girlfriends, hey guys. Yeah. Um, and but, I don't know whether that's right or wrong. No, do you know what? But that's the thing. That's what we've been talking about this whole episode. There's no wrong or right. It's just, it depends on your background or the type of language you're comfortable or used to using. So it's a really, it, 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 I mean, it's a funny one. They're always great, aren't they? The High Low mm. is just a fantastic podcast series anyway. But this episode, um, yeah, basically highlights some of the things that we've been talking about today and and really got me thinking. So that's another one. And then I'm going to finish it off with a a TED Talk, So the Power of Women's Anger by Soroya Chemley. I could also talk about this forever. It's a really moving argument around the notion of emotion being gendered. So she talks about how we teach children to disdain anger in girls and women and we grow up to be adults that essentially penalise it. But what if we didn't do that? What if we didn't sever anger from femininity? Because severing anger from femininity means we sever girls and women from the emotion that best protects us from injustice. Mm. And it's, oh God, it is so interesting. She talks about how... um, you know, what if we started focusing on developing emotional competence for boys and girls? 
Yeah. How we still socialize children in very binary and oppositional ways where boys are held to masculinity, renounce the feminine emotions of sadness or fear, and girls learn to be differential and and the anger isn't compatible with deference. So we learn to bite our tongues and swallow our pride. And actually, I mean, I've written a quote here. She says, indignity becomes imminent in our notions of femininity. Mm. So she talks about how the feelings are the purview of our authority and that people are uncomfortable with our anger and that we should be making people feel comfortable with the discomfort they feel when women express their feelings of anger, which I think is such a powerful thing to point out because we should be, we should feel comfortable expressing anger because it is a way of not only protecting us, but it's it's a way of highlighting that there's still change to be had. She says, we can take emotions and think in terms of competence and not gender. People who are able to process their anger and make meaning from it are more creative, optimistic, they have more intimacy, they're better problem solvers, and they have greater political efficacy. Yeah. And, and that's, do you know yeah. what, that is so true. And if we're constantly suppressing girls and women and telling them, well, you shouldn't be angry, bite your, bite your tongue, um, you know, swallow your pride. No, 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 don't show that in public. Yeah. Then how are we ever it's going impressive. to be able to express ourselves in a public domain where we're using and, uh, what's the word, kind of tapping into that anger can actually change, can change policies, can change opinions, can um, empower people with that anger, which is something that I think is really powerful such an interesting conversation i think i think what some people find really hard to recognize is the fact that we can opposing emotions or opposing conditions don't mm-hmm. think that's quite the right word that i'm looking for there but can exist within one person so it is possible for a woman to be angry and also to be a nurturing mother those that can yeah. be held within one person absolutely that paradox can exist within the same individual so you don't just have to be nurturing or accommodating and that's an either or with you know being angry and speaking out about injustice you can be both you know you can be a great host you can look after people you can be a great mother you can be you know a a wonderful warm human being who cares about those around them and has, has empathy but equally you can be fucking angry at another point in the same day, you know, it's, yeah. it's not, you don't have to be one and express or the other. that and, and express, express it. it. Absolutely. I think that's really important. And that's the, that's like, that's definitely what I took away from this. It's okay. It's okay to read things or see things or, or it's okay to, to be angry and it's okay to express that in the right way. Because I think channeling that anger is what essentially drives you to create change or to, to to change an environment so that actually the conditions are, are perhaps better in some way. So yeah, another one I definitely recommend anyone, women or men, to listen to. Enough about me anyway. Uh, Frankie, what have you been listening to this week? Okay, so I listened to a Don't Stop Us Now podcast with Debbie Wasco, OB, who is the founder of Albright, um, and... She's also a serial entrepreneur. She's, I think she started like four businesses. One was Love Swap Home. Um, after watching The Holiday, you know, she's founder of Albright. So for disclosure, 
although I don't know if I need to disclose this, but anyway, I am a member of Albright, so I am totally on board with their ethos and what they do. Um, Albright is essentially a women, um, a women-only members club um, that also provides support for around funding for mm-hmm. female founders, and it also addresses the skills gap. So they have like these digital academies um, which you can join for for both working women and for entrepreneurs, and they're designed to help fill some of the skills gap around business. This is a really great episode, listening to Debbie. I mean, so much of what she says is totally aligned with what we do at Found and Flourish, except, you know, she she has a fuck ton loads more money than us, so she just does it in a very different, she expresses it in a different way, but... One day, Frankie, one day. One day. Um, so what Debbie talks about is the idea that when you can see other people doing things, it de-risks it. So what she... What she's saying is by bringing women together, seeing what other women are doing in business and as founders and as leaders, it de-risks it for everybody else because they see other people doing it. They're like, wow, I can do that. I'm not Mm. alone and having that support. It's a really great episode. You know, she talks loads of stats around about one in six leadership positions in the UK um, in corporate women. One in 10 women want to start their own businesses, but they don't. You know, she she really knows the data she knows her facts and Albright is an amazing movement it Um, really is and and yeah she's their offices are amazing yeah the club is great and what Debbie says is that space makes a difference and building makes a difference because they're a metaphor for movement and amazing things happen when when there are a group of women in the room so I couldn't agree more so listen to that one awesome and then finally, I watched the Fire documentary on Netflix. Have you seen it? I haven't, no. Everyone's talking about it. Um, essentially, it's a catastrophic planning of a music festival um, in 2017 that should have been cancelled. Um, oh my God, I heard about but it, this. But it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely dreadful. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I'm just reading some of these comments. Go on then, tell us a bit about it. So Billy McFarland was the CEO of Fire Media Inc. So Fire Media was, they were building um, an online platform, which was basically like a booking system for acts. So it was like a, a way, essentially like a marketplace, like people who needed, um, yeah, to book acts for like music festivals or gigs or whatever, mm-hmm. could do it through um, the app. And then they would have all the artists and what and their pricing, etc. And then they decided to throw on this music festival as like a kind of, I guess like a PR stunt mm-hmm. and, and kind of maybe a money-making exercise um, on the side. Anyway, the planning of this festival went completely to shit. So they got this island in the Bahamas where they're going to do it, but there was no infrastructure and there was no way they could have, I think it was like 5,000 people they wanted to bring. They were never going to fit there. Then they got kicked off the island. Then they had to go and find somewhere else. And basically it was like a week Essentially, like a week before, then like five, four days before the event, finally the day before, they still didn't, they had no tents, the accommodation was nothing like what they sold. Oh like all of these festival goes, they missed They had no show. food, no water. I remember seeing no this on the news. It was absolute people stranded fucking in chaos. These people, oh I mean, God. there's the festival goers who, first of all, they turn up and it's the situation that they're put in is dreadful. So the organisers start by plying them with alcohol to distract them from the fact there's no music festival going on. But then these people are all, like, really drunk. There's no water, there's no food, there's no accommodation. It turns into complete and utter chaos. And basically, I mean, 
you can't believe that the people around this guy let him belligerently continue with this kind of reckless attitude to what is a very serious thing to put on and it's a huge scale it's a massive operation what a bloody idiot He's he's been jailed for six years on fraud charges. For what? Because of that? Because of what he did. But he also, I mean, he lied to investors. He made like fake wire transfers. This guy was absolutely just awful. It and makes you wonder, doesn't it? It's. I mean, there's a point. We've all done it. You know, anyone in event planning knows there is a point at which you look at the situation and you go realistically we're going to have to cancel. Like, this just isn't going to happen. For whatever reason, any decent human being would look at that situation and say, and then write, this has to be cancelled. Yeah, I have to back out of this one. But he didn't. And the people around him, as far as I'm concerned, like, completely enabled him. Like, they tried to say, well, he was this charismatic leader and we all believed in him. I'm sorry, like, bullshit on that. Everyone around him could see it was a failure. They should have all walked away. It's just watch it yeah i'm <laughs> it's really interesting yeah it i just I, it does make you wonder doesn't it how people in that kind of position of authority or responsibility are allowed to get that far what what i find interesting about this is you know we as found and flourish we encourage people to be entrepreneurs and we say anyone can do it you know you can do it take the leap have faith take risks I think it's a really important message, but actually not with complete reckless abandon. Like yeah. that is not that is not what an entrepreneur is, isn't no. I have faith in myself, I'm going to believe in that beyond what is realistically possible. And use thousands of people as guinea pigs, and essentially. I mean, yeah, exactly. And you know, the money that he took from people the worst thing for me about this documentary is when you find out that the local um people in the Bahamas lost so much money and it did so much damage to their local economy and it's absolutely heartbreaking it really is awful um it's but it's a really great documentary and i recommend that amazing everybody watches it so that's uh how not to do entrepreneurship that's how to do it and end up in jail great well that's on the list of the uh, must watch documentaries anything else that is it for me amazing great well i think we'll wrap it up then Yeah, so I hope that you guys found this conversation interesting. Um, Talking about feminism, talking about language, talking about all the things we've discussed is always going to be a messy conversation, but we'd love, really, really love to hear what you guys think. absolutely Um, love to hear your thoughts. We would love to have our opinions changed, developed, evolved. Um, So yeah, get involved in the conversation. Use the hashtag BossingItPod and tag us at FoundFlourish and we will get back to you. Awesome. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great week. See you next time. Bye.